sponsored by Amazon. Hey, good morning. I am Playbook co-author Eugene Daniels. It is Friday, finally. December 8th, here's what's driving the day. The biggest news that you need to pay attention to today came late last night. President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, indicted on more charges, nine federal counts accusing him of evading federal taxes on millions of dollars that he made in his work with foreign companies. There's a lot to get to, so I'm not going to waste your time just talking about it. Instead, joining me now to chat about those latest developments in the federal case against Hunter Biden, national correspondent Betsy Woodruff Juan, friend of the pod. Betsy, thank you. We had a different plan for the podcast and then got this breaking news. So thank you for, for jumping on with us. Oh, yeah. Happy to. I want to dive right in. On Thursday night, we get the news that President Biden's son has nine federal counts against him. This is the taxes, millions of dollars. David Weiss wrote that Biden, quote, engaged in a four-year scheme to not pay at least $1.4 million in self-assessed federal taxes he owed for tax years 2016 through 2019. This is not a surprise. You and I recently worked on a Hunter Biden story throughout that you kind of continue to talk about how something like this was likely that we might see this. So I guess tell the folks what actually is happening here. What's very interesting is the difference between the uh, statements that the Justice Department made about Hunter Biden's taxes when they tried to reach that plea deal with him this summer versus what the government is now accusing him of having done. In the summer, in that plea deal, which fell apart in spectacular fashion, the only thing he was accused of was misdemeanor, willful failure to pay. In other words, the accusation was he knew he owed taxes, he didn't pay them. He knew he needed to file his tax returns, he didn't file them. Pretty simple stuff. This indictment is very different because it accuses him not just of that, but also of going out of his way, including in the period of time after he achieved sobriety, to engage in financial crimes to try to reduce his tax responsibilities. It goes into great detail describing an alleged a communication he had with an accounting firm, where an accounting firm asked him to identify expenses that were business-related. The indictment says that he identified a whole host of expenses as business-related, which in fact were, were not related to any sort of business undertakings that he was involved in at all. And what What's really notable as well is that the indictment relies at some significant moments on Hunter Biden's memoir. In Hunter's memoir, he talks about spending time at specific hotels when he was through a particularly intense and dark phase of his drug addiction. He talks about Hotel ABCDE in Los Angeles. Uh, then the indictment juxtaposes his description of what he was doing at those hotels, namely the drug abuse and debauchery, with alleging that uh, he said that those hotel stays were a business expense. And by designating them as a business expense, according to the Justice Department, lowered his tax liability. Yeah. The biggest question, the most obvious maybe, is how much legal trouble is Hunter Biden actually in? He's in real trouble. This is not the kind of development that anybody would want. 
And much of the defense that we're hearing, at least tonight, from his legal team is focused less on the substance of the allegations and more on the argument that this is an unfair process, that the prosecution is the result of political pressure, and that the president's son is only being investigated and prosecuted because of who his dad is. Now, I'm sure that— So they're not saying that he's innocent. They're saying they don't like how the process is going. Interesting. That's yeah, right. That's yeah. right. They're, they're saying the process is unfair. And they're also saying that Hunter has paid the taxes that he owed. And they argue that it's vanishingly rare for people to be charged with felonies when they pay their outstanding taxes and penalties, even if they make those payments belatedly. And as they've done before, they point to Roger Stone to make this argument, noting, <laughs> noting that Roger Stone owed upwards of $2 million of taxes, didn't pay them until it was too late, and had that issue resolved civilly rather than through criminal charges. None of this is happening in a vacuum, obviously. There are other hunter charges, but also this week and like the last week and a half, feel like there's been a lot of developments in the Biden legal realm. And I'm including the accusations from Republicans against his father in, in that same way. It seems like in Congress, the impeachment inquiry vote is heading quicker than maybe folks thought. Hunter Biden got a letter this week <laughs> saying that we are going to hold you in contempt unless you come before Congress. Even though he said he would do it, he just wants to do it publicly. They want him to do it privately. With these new developments, talk about all of those things kind of in that context. He's kind of a one-man civics lesson. Yeah. <laughs> all three uh, branches of government are sort of, you know, bashing up against each other uh, in this story. And it makes his legal situation, shall we say, uniquely newsworthy because there's two tracks here yeah, for yeah. him. There's the legal track, which in his case is by far the most dangerous. And there's also the political track, which is how do all these battles shape his father's aspirations to be reelected as president? In terms of the legal side, if we look specifically at the legislative branch and Congress, uh, one of the huge questions is going to be, will he actually end up answering any questions from lawmakers? Of course, the rejoinder from congressional Republicans is Hunter doesn't get to decide the terms of his interview with us. He doesn't get to say, I want to do it publicly when we want to do it privately. The challenge for Comer's committee is that there's only two ways to enforce a congressional subpoena. Option number one, you uh, hold the person in contempt and ask DOJ to charge them. Option number two is you go to court you litigate it and you get a judge to say, hey, I'm going to hold you in contempt unless you testify. That process can take years. And it's entirely possible that the House will be controlled by Democrats by the time that process plays out. So Republicans had a chance to question Hunter Biden under oath. And by escalating the tension here, I think there's a very real possibility that they won't ever get to question him. And with that, you now have a lot more reporting to go do. So, so I'm going <laughs> to let you go. Thank you so much for hopping on on the short notice. Thanks so much, Eugene. And for your schedule today, the Senate and the House are out. 
President Biden is heading to Las Vegas today where he's going to deliver remarks on infrastructure from the Carpenter International Training Center. Later, he'll head to Santa Monica where he'll participate in a campaign reception. Got to get some more of that money. And we're told that while he's in Las Vegas, President Biden in some way is going to address the shooting that happened on Wednesday at UNLV. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. And we want you to head right now and go to our sister pod, Deep Dive, with my boy Ryan Lizza. He is sitting down with Republican Senator James Lankford. Lankford is one of the negotiators as Congress tries to figure out what to do with the supplemental request from President Biden, and most importantly, on immigration, which is a huge sticking point. They get into a lot of that, and you are going to want to listen, as always. The music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Callan Tansel Suddeth is our podcast producer. Annie Reese, Mike DeBonis, and Zach Stanton are our fearless editors. I'm Eugene Daniels. Thanks for listening, and have a good weekend. For over 23 years, Amazon has partnered with small and medium-sized businesses, connecting local entrepreneurs with customers globally and breaking down barriers to growth. In fact, more than 60% of sales in Amazon's store come from independent sellers, most of which are small to medium-sized businesses. Learn more at aboutamazon.com.